This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold right here at the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain. Dot TV slash gold. I hope everyone is doing fantastic this evening. It's Friday evening going into Saturday morning, ladies and gentlemen. So big news, big news. We have a special guest lined up for January 4th, folks. January 4th, we are going to be interviewing the healing doc. All right, the healing doc on Twitter. He's at Coach Saji, S A D J I. And so this gentleman has been tweeting an awful lot, ladies and gentlemen, about vaccines, about natural medicine. And so he's going to come on and we're going to have a conversation about natural medicine uh, versus um, uh, natural medicine versus allopathic medicine. We're going to talk about vaccines in general. We're going to talk about viruses. We've got to be very careful. We might get into some terrain theory versus germ theory, but I've got to be careful because you can be censored for that kind of stuff. He is going to talk about how the big pharma industry controls doctors. So it's going to be a really good conversation. I've been following him uh, for the past couple of weeks. And then I decided to reach out to him and see if he would be willing to come on the show because I liked what he was saying. I like some of the tweets uh, over here. I'm at his website. If you want to just check him out, it's uh, Coach Saji S A D J I dot com, and there's all different stuff on there. How he can help you shop uh, his books shop products he uses you can join his telegram his facebook his instagram and you can support his work so we're going to have an in-depth conversation i think it's going to be a lot of fun ladies and gentlemen that'll be taking place on january 4th also we have several other guests from the pain.tv slash gold community that are going to be coming on i'm going to reach out to everyone this weekend and talk to them and set up a basic outline of what we're going to be discussing. I've got Farmer Carol lined up. I've got our doula Alyssa ready to go. And then I believe Grace from the midwifery that we use is going to come on the show as well. So lots of guests coming on. I'm trying to get Marie Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Payne podcast on Fridays, to come on with the Healing Doc and co-host that interview. Because I think 
that will be a lot of fun. That's one of the things that Maria's been studying for many years. She used to run a Facebook page on all the holistic doctors that were being killed, you know, mysteriously dying. So I think she would be great to bring on. I know today she sent me a picture and she just baked her first loaf of bread off of that recipe I gave out on the show. Now, I'm on my seventh or eighth loaf of bread. I pretty much got this thing down to a science at this point. It is a science, and I've been tweaking the recipe and the cook times and everything. It's really good. So what I'll probably do, not like you can't find other people doing it online, but maybe I'll make a little video of me making a loaf of bread, and I'll put it up over at pain.tv slash gold and maybe out on Twitter, and you guys can try making it. Super simple folks and it's a lot of fun it's gratifying my wife just made me a sandwich for lunch with some mortadella and some muffaletto spread that we got at costco we used to chop up olives and make it ourselves, but we got lazy so we bought one at costco it's an organic muffaletta spread and uh, i mean as as organic as the store is going to sell but uh it was quite delicious folks quite delicious so anyway lots of guests coming up all right what we're going to do today folks in episode 108 is we're going to get into the international monetary fund central bank digital currency discussion which took place on october 14 2022 so just a couple of months ago we're going to get into that but first i want to break down for you quickly the international monetary fund the world bank and the bank for international settlements i just want to show you what they are for those of you that don't know maybe you're just jumping into this show maybe you've been been listening to me but i haven't actually explained that so let me show you who these three players are to begin with and how they work together and the fact that they're all on board for pushing the central bank digital currency and this is all very important uh, as you know uh, because this is the basis for the payment system and the financial slavery that goes along with this worldwide technocracy that these folks are working to cement into place now i've said we are basically a quasi technocracy already we are a technocracy with the illusion with the illusion of a representative government all right we've said that on this show i stand by that so i believe we already are a technocracy this just will fully cement the technocracy into place and will fulfill the very tenet of technocracy, which is the systematic control of the means of production and the distribution of goods and services. Because once these guys control the payment system, all right, once they control what you can buy, what you can sell, when you can buy, who you can buy from, when you could buy gasoline, when you could charge your electric car, uh, who you can pick up vegetables from and meat from and everything else. Once they have a complete and total lockdown on that system, they effectively control the means of production and the distribution of goods and services. Obviously, the distribution of goods and services, because if you can't buy a loaf of bread, then you're limited to how much bread you can have right then that is the control of the distribution of goods and services through the monetary system they don't necessarily have to control the entire supply chain if they can control the money that has to change hands in order for goods and services to be sold all right are you understanding that 
Okay, so they don't necessarily have to control the grocery store down the street from you if they can regulate your ability to buy things from that grocery store or that grocery store's ability to buy things from the wholesaler or the wholesaler's ability to purchase things from the manufacturer or the manufacturer's ability to purchase things from the farmers or the farmer's ability to purchase natural resources like fuel and things like, uh, let's say, certain fertilizers and such. So they can control the entire supply chain through the monetary system. At the same time, I think it's pretty clear that these guys are trying to consolidate and monopolize all the pieces of the supply chain. That's another major component of this. That's Amazon, you know, the company that we buy things from that controls a huge uh, portion of the retail sector. That is consolidation of the uh, supply chain, the retail supply chain, and then also the manufacturers, the wholesalers, the distributors that sell everything through the Amazon network. As I've said on this show before, the technocrats are boxing everyone in from all walks of life. They're driving service workers into the gig industry that they control. They're driving creatives underneath companies like Fiverr.com and Etsy, the rental business under Airbnb, the taxi services under Uber and Lyft, all the same technocrats behind these companies. You know, the content creators have to go to YouTube or Rumble or BitChute or Odyssey or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you know, they're all being driven under the hands of the technocrats. It's a technological system, and you rely on making your money inside of that technological system. If you're some sort of an entrepreneur, you don't go to work every week and get a paycheck every week or every two weeks or whatever your deal is with your employer, you know, entrepreneurs mainly have to rely on the technocracy at this point in order to be able to generate and make income. Right, And if you have your own payment processor, whether you're a consultant or a graphic designer or a landscaper or anything in between, you have to have Square or Venmo or Apple Pay or Google Wallet or Stripe or one of these payment processors. Again, all the same technocrats behind those companies. So they have the ability to cut off your ability to process a card or be able to get a transferred payment uh, made to you by a customer and if we think that that is if that is a system of total control wait until the central bank digital currencies come into play that's why honestly this was not an area that really interested me for many years i knew about it i knew it was a scam i knew it was coming but i don't really like talking about crypto and ubi and that kind of stuff i like talking about the mad scientists the frankenstein doctors transhumanism uh history of this stuff but i decided and the reason why i spent the last 10 episodes on cbdc and ubi is because now i see it as a major threat okay and it's being moved from the top down it's coming out of the imf the bis and the world banks and then all the central banks around the world and they are moving at light speed and now that we know that the commercial banks are willing to play ball it's just one big giant system there might be a little pushback a little resistance but that's just to decide who gets a seat at the table and how big of a slice of this pie they're going to get it's the same thing we see with russia 
and China and the United States all agreeing on moving forward with central bank digital currency, they just seem to be battling over who's going to have more power, who's going to have a bigger seat at the table. The same thing we see happen with Republicans and Democrats, right? At the end of the day, the country moves in one direction. It moves towards being a hellhole. But if the Republicans are in power and the Democrats are not, the Republicans get a little bigger slice of the pie. They get to take home more of a kickback, a greater kickback than the Democrats and vice versa. And that's pretty much how this whole system works. So that's why we're getting into this. Now, I've been texting back and forth on a chain with Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays and Wide Awake Jim. If you haven't had a chance, check out episode 80 and 88 with Wide Awake Jim to learn about the climate change hustle that we got into in depth. We put together six hours of material on that, including charts and graphs and PDFs, everything that Jim brought to the table. Those are available at pain.tv slash gold. You can watch those, the ad-free video version with all the charts and the graphs. And then I also had the Young Bucks over at the Thomas Paine podcast and pain.tv slash gold put on up all the source material that Jim provided. So those are included with the post over there. So you just look up episodes 80 and 88, and you'll be able to see that. So Jim's going to come back on this show with the research he's been doing. We're going to combine our research and then be able to paint a much broader picture, a much grander picture, much fuller picture for you of where this is at. Now, even last night when I was texting with Jim, he is still of the belief that this system, CBDC, won't be rolled out until all 190 uh, countries. It's 190 countries, I looked it up, are on board, and all their systems are working, they're interoperable. But I think as we've seen so far, uh, when we reviewed the World Economic Forum panel discussion on central bank digital currency yesterday in episode 107, and then the tail end of episode 106, These guys don't seem to be that concerned about getting everyone on board because there's various phases in this. It's not like they need 190 countries on board, CBDC comes into play, and then all other money and other forms of payment are out the window. They can get CBDC working in the United States or in the Eurozone or in certain uh, Asian blocks, and then those can still be spent in a way cross border because they can use you know frictionless payment systems and you know real time converters and all this kind of stuff so i think it's just slow rolled as we saw frank francois from the bank of france the head of the central bank in france and also chair of bank for international settlements say that um they're going to just keep rolling forward with this and that euro, uh, the e-euro, the European zones version of the central bank digital currency will be ready by 2026, 2027. And he said, get ready, look out uh, for the uh, retail side of that. So the consumer side of that. So again, I think these guys are moving forward. Now it's 2022. So let's say 2027, that's five years. And he said, we're going to see a lot of moves within five years. Look, COVID land, the high school theater production kicked off almost three years ago. Look how fast time flies. So five years is a short window. Uh, And obviously with inflation and all this other pain that they're inflicting on us, all this orchestrated pain, strategic pain, 
uh, trying to drive us into this, prime us for this. That's what I think is actually happening. Uh, making it more difficult for us to make moves, be able to save more money, be able to move things around and get ourselves out and break away from this system before it's fully in place. But right now, I would say if we have a two, three, four, five-year window, that's a lot of time to make your moves. That's a good thing. Now, we'll know more as we combine our research with Wide Awake Jim and eventually bringing Maria Albanese into this discussion as well because she's been doing some of her own research on these uh, topics. But I would say a two- to five-year window before a full rollout of CBDC gives you time to uh, make your moves. And so, I mean, look, I'm just going to – I'll tell you about it, actually, when we come back from the break folks we'll break some bread here when we get back from the break i'll be right back it's dust to go with the dust to gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dust and gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the dust and gold standard on pain.tv Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so this is what I'm talking about, right? So I'm playing around with making this bread, and I'm at the very beginning stages of this. I started out with a recipe that my mother had given me that she perfected. She makes all kinds of bread, but this was a no-need bread. She said, this is the place to start. So I'm eight loaves in, right? I'm not a, a professional here, but I've got, I've got it down to a science. I've been starting to play with the flavors, some of the cooking times. And so what I'm going to do over the next uh, couple of months, I'm going to keep messing around with this. I started yesterday a sourdough starter because I want to start working on some other kinds of bread. And uh, once you get the sourdough starter going, then you don't need yeast because my recipe, I need active dry yeast, right? So that is one product, let's say, eventually, if I can't buy that from a store, if they stop selling it, if the supply chain removes it, if I can't use CBDC to get it. So I'm trying to remove some of the ingredients that I am going to need to buy from a store. And one of them is yeast, right? So if I have sourdough starter, then I never have to have yeast. And I'll eventually get more into this in future shows on solutions. I'm not going to talk all about this tonight. But so there we go. I'm starting to look at ingredients that I need to be able to, uh, that I'm able to remove from the equation. And I could go buy a ton of yeast right now. But even if you put it in the freezer, it's only going to last you one to two years, right? And then the other one is bread flour. Now, you can make it with all-purpose flour. Bread flour works the best. So I'm sitting here saying, okay, I got to do research into bread flour. How can I store it? If I buy a piece of land up in West Virginia, can I build some kind of a cellar that I keep this stuff in? Is there a way to keep moisture out of there? How long will it last? Can I make my own flour? What's the process? So I'm trying to figure out, right how to do that otherwise all you need is salt and then you need water 
right? So water, salt, yeast, or sourdough starter, and then flour. That's the basis. Everything else is if you want to add cheeses and spices and other things of that nature. And then you've got your cast iron Dutch oven. So I've got a couple of Dutch ovens. One is enameled, one is cast iron. And I'm going to start looking for on Facebook Marketplace more cast iron Dutch ovens. And you need the Dutch oven, really, because it allows the dough to steam inside there. Uh, and that's what ends up helping the bread bake. And then also uh, you end up forming the crust inside there. Anyway, so what I want to be doing within a couple of months from now is figuring out how to bake this bread uh, using fire or some kind of an outdoor oven I'm going to build that uses fire. So I don't have to use a gas or electric oven, right? So that's kind of my next step. The reason why I'm doing this is because although I don't want to live off of bread, if I had to live off of bread, at least I can bake bread, right? So I could live, let's say, completely off the grid, which is probably not in my future plans. But let's say I was living completely off the grid up in uh, somewhere in West Virginia, and I was able to bake this bread completely off the grid. Now, I'm not like some kind of a prepper. I've watched a lot of documentaries and YouTube channels and stuff over the years on this stuff. I, I just want to be able to do this for, you know, a limited, you know, in a limited fashion. I call it half Amish. And so I'm going to learn how to do this and I'm going to learn how to bake bread completely without electricity. And then I'm going to start to figure out this flour issue. And now all of a sudden, a year, two years from now, if I can get a piece of land up in West Virginia, and I have the ability to build some kind of a fruit cellar and store flour down there, I know I can at least make bread. Now, I can use bread to barter with neighbors. I can use bread to feed my family. I can use bread, uh, you know, maybe people would be able to buy it from me with CBDC or if we were trading with something else at that point. So bread is a good thing to learn how to make because people can eat it to survive. You can use it to barter. If you know how to make bread, you have all the ability to make something that tastes good at a time when uh, things are crap and people are eating all this government distributed nonsense. You know, maybe they let you live in the half Amish community because you're the bread maker. You bring value. So bread is something I'm looking at, right? My father-in-law makes whiskey. All right. So I'm, uh, next time I go over to Poland, I'm going to learn more about that. And I'm going to try to perfect this art of whiskey. Now, I want to be able to do it without some of the fancy equipment that he has that plugs in and then it creates, you know, this hot water that then steams the mesh and it goes up into a cold water pipe. And I want to try to take that and then boil it back down into simple terms with no electricity, right? So I'm trying to learn these skills that would make me a value inside of a half Amish community system. All right. And so Lancaster, Pennsylvania is not far from here. And several of our midwives from the team had actually trained with the Amish. They have inroads to the Amish. So if we're still in and around this area in a few years, I'm going to take Willie G up there, hopefully be able to strike a deal to intern with some of the Amish, learn how to churn butter and stuff like that. I'm really going to learn all these skills that I can use if I decide to live in a half Amish fashion. So bread is one. Uh, I'm going to also learn from my father-in-law about some of the Polish smoked sausages, salted meats, and then whiskey. Now, if I could do all that stuff, now I have a skill.
that can be utilized off the grid. It's an outside of the matrix skill. Because I could build websites, I could do graphic design, I can take photographs, I can edit in Photoshop, I could produce corporate events, I could write comedy material, I could do all these things that are completely unnecessary and unneeded if you're going to live in a half Amish style community. Now, what I see the future as, probably for my son, for your kids, your grandkids, is learning everything from that, from survival, uh, for being able to make bread and go hunting and field dress a deer, to being able to computer program, because that gives them the ability to live one foot in the system and one foot out of the system. Or if it gets to a point where they're not going to let you live one foot outside the system, and you decide you want to continue your life here on Earth, and you have to live inside the system, you need to understand both set of skills, both worlds. All right, it's like living in two completely different cultures. But if you understand the both, if you know both of those languages, you know the tech world and the natural world, then you can survive in the coming world. All right, so that's what I'm working on uh, for myself at the moment, starting to develop some skills that I can bring with me into a half Amish style life. All right, and I suggest you do that. I think it's very important. Start to look up some things. I don't know, old school blacksmithing, gunsmithing, uh, maybe carpentry, old school carpentry. You know, these type of skills that you could bring with you uh, if you decided to step outside of the matrix, folks. Because if the CBDC system comes into play and everyone is completely uh, locked down in that system and you can only buy and sell what the system allows you to buy and sell, then you're going to have to have some other skills that you can use outside of the system to barter with like-minded folks. I mean, eventually... If it gets really bad, if it gets to the point where you really need to escape the technocracy, if it gets to the point where there's robots in the streets and stuff, and we're all escaping, eventually people like you and me will find each other. We're all going to eventually flock to the same area. Whether we do this in an organized fashion over the next few years, or it becomes something where we just start fleeing and running up into the mountains, we're eventually all going to find each other. If everything becomes the hell that the these folks want to bring here on earth we will eventually find each other and you could come over to my mud hut folks because i will be making bread <laughs> and whiskey all right and salted meats that'll be uh that will be my contribution to the half Amish commune <laughs> all right folks that's why i'm doing this all right let's take a look Enough of that chit-chat. But no, I mean, you want to talk about solutions. I'm talking about realistic solutions. Uh, You have to plan for the worst. All right? Hope for the best. Plan for the worst. Be realistic. Uh, There's nothing that is stopping this movement to bring the technocracy. All right, let's take a look at Bank for International Settlements. All right, this is over at BIS.org. And so we just have the About page up. And it says here, our mission is to support central banks' pursuit of monetary and financial stability through international cooperation and to act as a bank for central banks. All right, it says uh, to deliver on our mission and... 
be able to respond to the evolving nature of our business, our work is anchored in strong core values that shape the way in which we work. These values are the shared principles and beliefs that unite our staff and guide our actions to promote a cohesive, purpose-driven culture to support central banks through their current and future challenges. One, we deliver value through excellence in performance. Two, we are committed to continuous improvement and innovation. Three, we act with integrity. And four, we foster a culture of diversity, inclusion, sustainability, and social responsibility. And so then it gets a little bit into the history here. Uh, Established in 1930, the Bank for International Settlements is owned by 63 central banks, representing countries from around the world that together account for about 95% of world gross domestic product, GDP. Its head office is in Basel, Switzerland, and it has two representative offices in Hong Kong, SAR, and in Mexico City, as well as innovation hub centers around the world. And so, just so we have a complete understanding here, I'm over at BIS.org, and this again is under the About section, but I'm looking at history. It says, established in 1930, the Bank for International Settlements is the oldest international financial institution. From its inception to the present day, the BIS has played a number of key roles in the global economy, from settling reparation payments imposed on Germany following the First World War, to serving central banks and their pursuit of monetary and fiscal stability on may 17th 2020 the bank for international settlements marked 90 years since it first opened its doors for business the book promoting global monetary and financial stability the bank for international settlements after Bretton woods uh, reviews the bank's role and contributions over the past 50 years the timeline outlines bis's history and folks we're just going to take a look at this uh right when we get back for the break i'm going to show you bank for international settlements world bank and imf and just show you how they all play together because as we're continuing to now talk about this and we're going to bring wide awake jim into the conversation and he's going to talk about bank for international settlements i just want you to have an understanding of who these groups are i know you hear them you see them hashtagged on social media you hear other podcasters talk about them but instead of looking at them as just boogeyman i want you to understand what they actually are because i don't want you to think about world economic forum and klaus schwab and all these groups as boogeyman they're real people and real organizations that are out there right in front of us the stuff they're doing is dangerous it all leads to complete and total control the building of a slave state But there's no reason to just hear these terms and think of a skull and crossbones. Try to understand what they are, and then you'll know what their purpose is. And then we'll say, okay, well, this isn't conspiracy theory. These are not boogeymen. They are people right out there in the open that are trying to build a system of complete and total control. And now we understand who they are, what their objectives are, and how exactly they plan on doing this. All right, folks, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash 
Gold.